chapter 2, we are in a series in the book of Hebrews, and um, we have come to chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. Someone asked me the other day, uh, how long are we going to be in Hebrews? Well, we can probably be here quite a while. Uh, sometimes we'll study more than four verses, of course. Sometimes it might be a chapter or even a half a chapter, but... Um, Today it's Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Let's stand together as we read this portion of God's word in honor of his word together. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression our disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word, and we pray that as we seek to break it today, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would open our eyes, that we might see the truths that you want us to understand and to know. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. There is a clear and present danger facing all Christians today. A clear and present danger facing all of us as believers in Jesus Christ. It's not a danger from the outside. It's a danger on the inside. And that spiritual danger is drifting, drifting away from the Lord, that slow, steady drifting from one's devotion to Jesus Christ and his word. Some call it backsliding. I prefer the biblical name that the writer of Hebrews gives it, drifting. There are five warning passages in the book of Hebrews, but I consider them more like admonitions. The first of these admonitions is found in our passage today. The writer of Hebrews is challenging his readers and also us today not to neglect our great salvation we have in Christ, but to be faithful in our devotion to him. This admonition, like the others, is written to believers, not to unbelievers. This is clear since the author includes himself in the admonition. Five times he uses the plural pronoun we to include himself. Look at verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Look at verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? And so this was written to believers who were in danger of neglecting their salvation, in danger of drifting away from the truth. 
It is not written to lost people. You can't neglect something that you don't have. You see, the lost don't have salvation, so they can't neglect it. The lost can reject salvation, but not neglect salvation. Only believers can neglect their salvation. So these Hebrew Christians were in danger of neglecting their relationship with Jesus Christ. This was the same danger facing the Ephesian church when Jesus um, gave them that rebuke in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. You have abandoned your first love. Abandon your first love. Jesus is saying you are drifting from your love and devotion to me. This was a clear and present danger to these Hebrew Christians, and it is a clear and present danger to us today. The sin of drifting is the great besetting sin of the church. Now, what causes spiritual drifting? Kent Hughes, in his excellent commentary on Hebrews, mentions three dangers that can cause spiritual drifting. The first is the danger of years. The danger of years. In my 40-plus years as a pastor, I've seen it happen more than I want to admit. I've known Christians who were once faithful and devoted followers of Jesus, Christians who served faithfully as pastors and missionaries, but over the years... They slowly drifted from the Lord and are not serving Jesus Christ today. The danger of drifting. It's real. It can happen to me. It can happen to you. And maybe it is happening to you right now. Robert McQuilkin, Robertson McQuilkin wrote a poem, Let Me Get Home Before Dark, which speaks of this danger. The poem is really a prayer to God that he would not drift from his devotion to Christ but finish well. I want you to listen to a portion of this, of this prayer. He says, I fear the dark specter, speaking of death, I fear the dark specter may come too soon, or do I mean too late, that I should end before I finish or finish but not well, that I should stain your honor, shame your name, Grieve your loving heart. Few, they tell me, finish well. Lord, let me get home before dark. Let me just be honest with you. Those words really haunt me. Few, they tell. Few, they tell me, finish well. Oh, it's my prayer. It's my prayer that I will finish well. I hope that's your prayer, that you will conclude the Finish the Christian life and hear those words of the Savior, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, how tragic is it to begin well in the Christian life, to serve Christ faithfully, but to stumble and fall and not finish well? But that's the story of many Christians. Let me ask you, is your light for Jesus growing dim? Is your love for Jesus growing cold? Could you be drifting? A slow drift, given enough time, will carry you into dark, uncharted waters where you do not want to go. Don't let the years cause you to drift. There's another cause of drifting, and that's the danger of familiarity. Familiarity can cause our relationships to become dull and stale and boring. This is true of 
our marriage. This is true of our relationships, our friendships. It's also true of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Just last year, Cindy and I bought grandparent tickets to the Charleston Aquarium. So when the grandkids come, we could um, take them there so that they could enjoy that. The first two or three times at the aquarium was great. I enjoyed it. All the exhibits were new and excited. The kiddos loved it. However, after about five or six times, it began to lose its excitement. And familiarity began to take its toll. And so familiarity can take its toll in our Christian lives as well. The Bible can become dry as the desert sand. You know, when my Bible reading becomes dry, I, I try to change things up a bit. You know, I read the English Standard Version. That's the version that I prefer, but I change it up again. I, I read the New King James. I, I read different translations, like the New Living Translation, the Amplified Bible, the Phillips Translation of the New Testament. When things get a little dry, and it does from time to time, I promise you, the book of Psalms always refreshes my soul. Prayer can become stale as well. Again, I find it helpful to change things up a little bit. A little creativity can spice up your prayer life. Have you ever tried praying with your eyes open? <laughs> you know, I read a, a little book. It was just a thin little book years ago, and it was entitled Praying with Your Eyes Open. I encourage you to do that. Pray with your eyes open when you're on a walk. Pray with your eyes open when you're driving to work. Make sure your eyes are open. Or to the grocery store or while you're exercising, while you're walking. Pray with your eyes open. Who says you have to be in your closet? Who, who says you have to be at your desk? Who says that you have to be on your knees with your eyes closed? Pray with your eyes open. Also, pray scripture back to God. You know, Paul's letters are filled with his prayers for believers. Pray those prayers back to God for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones, for your church. You see, when we pray back Scripture to God, we can be sure that those prayers will be answered. Don't let familiarity cause you to drift. And then there's the danger of busyness, and this is probably the greatest danger of all. Busyness can cause us to drift away from God. We can become so busy serving Jesus that we neglect our devotion to him. So busy serving him, so busy ministering in his name that we neglect to truly spend time with him in worship. You know, I think of the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was so busy serving Jesus that she forgot the most important thing spending time with him. Martha missed it, like so many today, but Mary got it. Where do we find Mary in the story? We find her sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word, worshiping him. Could you be drifting? Could the danger of years, the danger of familiarity, the danger of busyness be causing you to drift from your devotion to Jesus Christ? You know, there's good news. We can avoid the drift. We can avoid the drift as believers. 
Now see, the antidote for drifting is found right here in verse 1, right here at the beginning, the antidote to drifting. It says in verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. He's talking about the Word of God. And see, the antidote to drifting is playing, paying close attention to God's Word. In fact, the only way you will avoid spiritual drifting is by paying close attention to God's Word. You know, people often ask me, why am I going nowhere in the Christian life? Why is it that I'm not really growing? Why isn't my life changing? Question, are you reading and obeying God's Word? Are you in God's Word? Now see, either we're obeying God's Word or we're drifting, one or the other. Dr. B.B. Warfield, Dr. B.B. Warfield, a great theologian of the last century, wrote this, when Scripture speaks, God speaks. I like that because that's so true. See, if you want to hear God speak, and I'm asked all the time, does God still speak today? Of course he does. If you want to hear God speak, then read the Bible. Pick up the Bible and read it. God will speak every time. The only way to stop drifting is by dropping your anchor in the deep waters of the Word of God. Sadly, we are witnessing this spiritual drift in our day like never before. It is the story of so many denominations, so many churches, and so many church members who are turning from God's Word in order to please the popular culture. My friend, if you deviate from God's Word on matters of morality, where the Bible clearly speaks, whether it is the sanctity of human life, the born and the unborn, whether it is the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman, it is not okay. It has never been okay with God, and it never will be okay with God. I don't know if you saw the article that the New York Times recently called our new president the most religious observant president in half a century. Now, I'm not being political. I'm really not. The church is not a place for political debate as far as I'm concerned. It is the place where biblical morality must be affirmed and proclaimed. How that can be said of any president, whether Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, who enthusiastically endorses the killing of unborn babies is unconscionable. The Bible says, you shall not murder. That includes all life, the elderly, it includes the mentally and physically challenged, and yes, the unborn. Yes, a spiritual drift is taking place in our day that ought to be alarming to every Christian today. Could you be drifting with the culture of our day? Could you be saying okay when years before you were saying no? Are you saying it is okay for these things to happen when years ago... You wouldn't even think of it. Could you be drifting away from God's word? 
Earlier we sang the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing by Robert Robinson. Remember that name. Robert Robinson, he wrote that old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The story has a, of the hymn has a story behind it. Robert Robinson was saved under the great preaching, powerful preaching of George Whitfield during the First Great Awakening. You're talking about the 1700s. God used him for many years as a pastor. But later in his life, he drifted far from the Lord. In an attempt to find peace for his soul, he began to travel. And in his travels, he, he met a young woman who was reading a hymn. And she asked him, what do you think about this hymn I'm reading? She did not know who he was. What do you think about this hymn that I'm reading? She handed it to him. And it was his own hymn. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing calls the song of loudest praise. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. As he read the words of his own hymn, Robert Robinson broke down and confessed to the young lady that he was the author of the hymn that she was reading and that he had drifted far from the Lord. And the woman said to him, But sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. The streams of mercy are still flowing. It was through her words of encouragement that Robert Robinson stopped his drifting and turned back to the Lord. Do you need to stop the drift? Really, only you can answer that question. Do you need to stop the drift? You know, as a boy... Um, I spent many of my summers at Garden City Beach with my family. My parents had a cottage on the inlet of Garden City. And my brother and I would love to dive off the dock and swim in the inlet when the tide was high and the current was neutral. The inlet was just like a swimming pool, no current at all. But sometimes we would get the timing wrong and we would dive in after the tide was going out and the current would drift us away and it would be hard to get back to the dock. <laughs> oh, my friends, it's easy to drift from the Lord. But sometimes it's not so easy to get back. Hebrews is warning us, don't start the drift. And if you're drifting, stop the drift. That's what Hebrews is saying. The longer you drift from the Lord, the harder it will be to return to him. And so there are really only two options in the Christian life. Either we are sailing forward or we are drifting backward. Either sailing forward or we are drifting backward. There's no such thing as standing still in the Christian life. Either we are sailing forward or we're falling backward. Where are you in your life? Where are you in your life? 
you know, drifting is serious. And the author of Hebrews wants us to know how serious it really is. Look with me at verses 2 and 3. He, he says, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. He's talking about the law, the law of Moses. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution or punishment, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Obeying God's word is a serious matter. It was in the Old Testament, and it is today. It's, it's not something to be taken lightly. The law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai by God through the, mes- through the mediation of angels. The Bible says that. It was given to Moses by God by the mediation of angels. God's law was so serious that for every act of disobedience, there was an appropriate punishment. There was a price to pay. For example, the law required the keeping of the Sabbath day holy, and no work must be done on the Sabbath. But shortly after the Sabbath was, the law was given, an Israelite was caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath. They put him in custody and asked God what to do. And the Lord answered that the man must be taken outside the camp and stoned to death. Numbers 15. You say, well, that certainly is a that certainly is a severe punishment for picking up a few sticks. Maybe he wanted to, to warm his family. Maybe he wanted to cook a meal. Man, that's serious. What a severe punishment for picking up a few sticks. Why was it necessary for him to be put to death? Because God had spoken and the law was binding. Verse 2, every transgression and disobedience received a just retribution. What Hebrews is saying to you and to me is this. Listen carefully. If God's law was given to Moses through angels, if that was so serious that it inflicted serious punishment to all lawbreakers, how much more serious is it to obey God's final word given to us through his son? Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? And the answer is we will not escape. We will not escape. Is it talking about hell? Absolutely not. This was written to Christians. We will not escape the discipline of God. If believers drift away and refuse to turn back to Christ in obedience, they will not escape God's hand of discipline. So there's a big difference between punishment and discipline. God doesn't punish his children. Jesus was punished for our sins on the cross of Calvary. But God does discipline his children. He does discipline his own. So God doesn't just sit idly by and permit his children to go on in their disobedience. As a loving father, he will discipline us. He will. If we continue in disobedience... God will put us on the wood shelf and stop using us. And if we continue in our disobedience and refuse to repent, well, he will take us to the wood shelf. He will take us to the wood shed. And he will give us a good spanking. 
And if we continue to disobey and refuse to repent, he might very well put us in the wood box. God's discipline is a sign, not of his hatred, but it's a sign of his love for us. See, God loves us too much to allow us to continue in our sin. Hebrews will have a lot more to say about God's discipline later in the book. But I want us to take a look at this great salvation that we have. What is the nature of this great salvation? Look with me again at verses 3 and 4. This great salvation was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now, this is our great salvation. And he tells us how we got it. Number one, it was declared at first by the Lord, verse 3. It was declared first by the Lord. Jesus came on the world scene preaching the gospel, the message of salvation. And, of course, Jesus is the author of our great salvation. He first began to preach the gospel. You know, that's where it began, by Jesus. Number two, in verse three it says, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard. You know, this is referring to the apostles. It's referring to the apostles. The apostles were the eyewitnesses who heard Jesus teach and preach. And they passed the gospel, the message of salvation, down to others through their preaching and scripture. And then thirdly, God himself bore witness to the truth of the gospel by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, verse 4. You know, people don't understand miracles a lot today. What was the purpose of miracles? Well, the purpose of miracles was to authenticate the gospel message preached by the apostles. That's what we see throughout the book of Acts, God authenticating their message by the miracles that they performed. And God used four things to authenticate the truth and the accuracy of the gospel message. Signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. What a great salvation. How can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You know, the answer is we won't. <laughs> we won't. If we do, there will be consequences. There will be the discipline of God. And how can we avoid the drifting and the discipline of God? Again, verse 1, we must pay close attention. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. The Word of God is really all we need. Back to the Bible ministry was founded by the late Dr. Warren Risby. Back to the Bible ministry. Its mission is to call Christians back to the Bible in order to become spiritually mature followers of Jesus Christ. Back to the Bible really says it all because the Bible is really all we need. If we get back to the Bible, if we read it, if we study it, if we apply it to our lives, if we obey it, we will not drift away from the Lord. 
let me ask you, where are you today? There's only one of two places. Either you're sailing forward, you're growing in your, in your knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ, or you're drifting downward. Either one is sufficient. Hebrews tells us, listen, if God was serious in the Old Testament, he's certainly serious now. Let's pray together.